morning, everybody. How are you this morning? It's great to see you all. I want to introduce myself to those of you that may not know who I am, so we'll just start off with that. My name is Mike, and um, I am currently the associate pastor at a church in Fort Dodge, Iowa, New Covenant Christian Church. I've been there uh, since 1985, so if you do the math, the actual math on that is that's a long time. Um, And uh, in 2017, um, I gave up the lead pastor position, and our, my son took the, the pastor position. I now serve as his associate. So um, that allows me to get out and come and visit good people like you. It's always such a joy to be back to Infuse. Thank you for inviting me back. Thank you for letting me jump in on the worship team. That's always a lot of fun as well. Uh, my wife and I came out of the, the drug culture of the 70s, and so, you know, you, you come out of that, but there's still little remnants of that sometimes that want to kind of hang on, you know, and we, we all need freedom from our past. Anybody agree with me on that? And so, you know, that's one of the things that, that God does for us. When we found Christ, our lives were changed, and our, our marriage was healed, and he's done all kinds of great things in our lives, and that's, um, you know, it's just a joy to be able to uh, tell people what God has done in our lives, how he's changed the direction of our lives. And so again, very happy to be here. This series, uh, You're Not the Boss of Me, and this this talking about controlling emotions and how emotions can can grasp us. We were watching some uh, video there of people being startled. Y'all ever been startled by something, by anybody? Just kind of that little rush, you know, and maybe you scream or you jump or whatever. Uh, my grandkids, and my actually my kids for that matter, used to really love to scare me when I, when they were younger. And my grandkids the same way, like to hide out, you know, and when you're walking by, jump out at you or whatever. And I think my kids quit doing it because they were never really sure how I was going to respond to that. I might come out swinging. Um, You know, it's just kind of one of those things where when you're startled, you just don't know, you know, what you're going to do. And it's not just humans that can be startled like that. Um, We have an 11-month-old, almost a one-year-old Yorkshire Terrier. And I was taking him for a walk the other day, and he's very nosy. He's always sniffing around at things, and he's sniffing in a yard. I don't know what he was sniffing at, but he was just sniffing away, and there was a big chunk of bark, just a tree bark laying there, and he didn't see it. And finally, he saw it out of the corner of his eyes. He must have jumped that high, jumped back, got scared, and ran over to where I was because he saw a piece of tree bark laying there. It just startled him, I guess. Um, you know, and that, that kind of stuff happens, right? But what I want to talk to you about today is that little deeper kind of fear or worry. And I know as you've been talking about the, the power of controlling emotions, you looked at things like anger and guilt so far. And today, we want to take up this subject of worry. Now, I got to tell you, I come from a family of warriors. That doesn't mean my entire family is constantly worried all the time, but they're pretty good at it. They're pretty good at worrying about things, pretty good at being concerned uh, about, you know, the, the, the things that can happen in our lives or the way our lives might go or whatever. And worry like anger and guilt is a human emotion. And we all have emotions. We can't deny the fact that we have emotions. In fact, emotions are good for us. We should not be, to use the term, emotionally constipated. We ought to be able to show our emotions and express emotion. But the one thing we don't want to do is be controlled by our emotions, decisions and be controlled by our emotional response to things. And so today I want to talk a little bit about this, uh, this subject of worry. And um, as we talk about this, again, I just want to say I spent a lot of years bound in worry. I would think about things that could go wrong, things that could happen badly. Uh, and I'm evidently not the only one. Check out this statistic. A Gallup poll from 2020 
reports that 60% of American adults deal with worry, look at those last four words, on a daily basis. 60%. That means if those averages are correct, six out of 10 of us sitting in this room worry about something on a daily basis. Um, but actually, the Bible tells us how to handle worry. It actually explains to us what we should do with worry. Aren't you glad that God covers all the bases for us? He even knows we're going to have worry. And so he says, here's what you do with worry. Let me show you this. It's in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. He says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So what are we supposed to worry about according to the Bible? That's right, absolutely nothing. And it's kind of interesting to me that this passage is kind of framed in the, the sound of like a commandment. It's almost like this is something that we are not to do. It's not an optional thing that maybe we could or not. It sounds a lot like the language of a commandment to me. Do not worry about anything. So this verse gives us pretty clear instructions of what to do with worry. Just don't do it. Um, it's like, okay, well, that's cool, but worry is still a powerful emotion. If 60% of Americans deal with worry on a daily basis, so what are all of these American adults worried about? Let's just kind of look at, uh, this is a single care poll uh, that was taken in February of this year, February of 2023. And here's what it shows as the six top things that American adults worry about. The first one is the future of the USA and our world. 77% of people worry about the future of our nation and the future of our world. Where is this all going? What is happening? Second one, 64% worry about personal finances. The third one, 60% of people worry about their overall work environment, perhaps whether they'll have a job, whether they'll keep their job. Uh, the fourth one, the economy in general, the world economy in general, 49%. 47% of people worry about family responsibilities, especially like children and grandchildren. And of course, some of that falls into the, the economics as well and taking care of family financially. And then the sixth one is personal health issues. 46% of U.S. population worry about personal health issues. Now, let me just ask a question. How many of you have worried about one or more of these things at some point in your life? Could I see your hand if you've worried? Okay, so the, the Bible is true then that, uh, you know, that we, we are not supposed to worry, and yet worry is an emotion that we all have. This is real stuff. So what should we do with our worry? Well, first of all, we need to know this. I did a little research on this, and statistically, this is amazing. Statistically, 91 to 97% of the things we worry about will never happen. I want you to look at those numbers, 91 to 97, depending on what poll you're looking at, but 91 to 97% of the things we worry about will never happen. That means only 3 to 9% of the things we worry about will actually happen. Um, and then if you figure into that, so what does worrying do to that 3 to 9% that could actually happen? What does worry do for that? Nothing. It doesn't help it at all, does it? So we can remind ourselves, and this is something I've done, we can remind ourselves once we start worrying about something that there's a very small likelihood that what I'm worrying about is actually going to help, or actually going to happen, rather. So that helps me to understand that since there's a very small percentage 
of the things I worry about that will actually happen. As soon as I start worrying about something, I just remind myself, well, I'm worrying about that, so it's probably not going to happen. 91 to 97% chance that it's not going to happen. That helps us, for one thing, to stop worrying because we realize that the things we worry about are not going to happen likely. But there's an even more convincing remedy, and I think we saw it in that verse that we looked at. Let's look at it again, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So you know what? There is actually a silver bullet when it comes to, uh, to worry, and that silver bullet is prayer. Instead of worrying about anything, pray about everything. It's pretty simple, right? To stop ourselves in the midst of worrying and offer a prayer to God, thanking God that he protects us, that he covers us, that he has our future already in his hands. He already knows what he wants to do with our lives. Instead of worrying about anything, pray about everything. You know, sometimes we'll just be going along in our lives and we'll hear something or something will happen and that fear will crop up like, you know, like kind of like what we saw in the video, something like a sudden fear, but something deeper, something more real, something will come along. Maybe it's a health report or we hear something on the news about the economy or about where our world is going or whatever. And that fear, that worry t- tries to grasp us, tries to hold on to us. And you know, there's an example of this in the Old Testament that I want us to take a quick look at. Um, Jehoshaphat was a king in the nation of Israel. And Jehoshaphat was a very successful king. And at that period of time that Jehoshaphat ruled, uh, the nation of Israel was very secure. Uh, They were living at peace. They had abundance. They had uh, pretty much everything that they needed. They were living in in, in a place of peace with the other nations around them. And everything was good. Um, Everything was going fine, and then suddenly something began to happen. Jehoshaphat had kind of let his guard down a little bit. He wasn't quite as attentive to what was going on around him. And I want us to pick up this story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and look at verse 1 with me. It says this, After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with them some of the Munites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. So we might just say that Jehoshaphat and the nation of Israel are minding their own business, um, and suddenly these three armies converge to come against them. And you know, there's a lot of analogies that we could make here as to the kind of things that we sometimes battle against or the things that sometimes want to attack us, things like our own humanity, the things that we stir up from our past, the things that we let our minds dwell on that take us maybe into a bad place uh, emotionally or even spiritually or the culture of our world, we can, again, we can kind of get absorbed, get caught up in the culture of our world and the way things are going in the, in the culture around us instead of letting ourselves focus on who God is and what he wants to do. And then, of course, there is an enemy to our soul, the devil who is a liar and wants to confuse us, wants to bring in all kinds of, of challenges for our lives. But we have to really give him the permission to be able to do that. So there's a lot of things that we could talk about where these three armies are coming against Jehoshaphat. What are the things that come against us? What are the things that try to challenge us? especially in these areas of our emotions trying to control our lives, whether it's with anger, as has already been talked about, or guilt, or today's subject of worry. We might look at some...
what happened? There we go. So what do we do when these things uh, come against us, you know, and maybe it's time for me to quit already. So, no, just kidding. Uh, so what do we do when these things come against us? How do we handle this? And so here's what happens. Look at this in the, in the second verse of Second Chronicles 20. It said, messengers came and told Jehoshaphat. You know, there's always going to be people around that want to tell us the bad news. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, people like to share bad news. People like to tell you everything that's going wrong and everything that is either challenging in this world or things that we should be concerned about or things that we should worry about. And if we don't have friends that will do that, the media will help us with it. They'll help us find those things that we should be concerned about. But it says messengers came, and they, hold, they told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea. They're already there at Hazan Tamar, which is En Gedi. These are people, there are always those people who love to tell you the bad news. And um, some of them might be at work. Some of them might actually be in church. Some of them might be your neighbors. Some of those might be family members. Or just, you know, the ones that we, as I said, that we run through with the clicker, you know, and we're watching all this stuff coming. We're borrowing from that list of things that we worry about. You know, the future of our nation, the future of our world, the economy in general, what's happening to our children, our grandkids. You know, as a, as a grandparent, I hear a lot from my generation about all the bad things that are going on, all the terrible things that are happening with our kids and with grandchildren and all those things. And you know what? I, I believe that we can worry about those things or we can pray for our kids and our grandchildren and we can believe that they'll have an encounter with God and that their lives will be impacted and, and infected, we might say, by God's spirit and by his power and that they will actually make a difference in our world. I don't get concerned uh, about our children. Yes, I have concerns about the direction that, that the world is going, but I also know that God loves our children. How many agree with me on that? And that if we pray, he wants to do amazing things for our kids. And so I think we need to pray about these things. Uh, maybe we get a health scare. Something comes along that just kind of rocks our boat a little bit. I've experienced that one. Uh, my wife has experienced that one. These little health scares, these little bumps in the road. And if we're not careful, we can get caught up in fear and worry, maybe even before we have all the answers, but even after the answers come. But we have to remember we have a God who is bigger than all the stuff of this world. So I want you to notice again here what happened. So Jehoshaphat, these messengers come and they tell him, there's this great army coming against you. There's things that are out to get you, Jehoshaphat. And look what happens in verse 3 of this, of this chapter. Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So what did, what did he do? What did Jehoshaphat do? Well, said first of all, he was afraid. Um, he was startled by the news. It caught him off guard, and he was startled. But I like what it says next. It didn't say that he, that he stayed in that fear. We don't really know how long he was afraid or how long he worried about this. Um, but we know it caught him off guard, and his initial response was to be afraid. I mean, if you're the, the, you know, the, the king of a nation, and you suddenly hear that there are three nations coming against you, you're going to be a little bit concerned about that. If you're living your life and you hear that there are things that are coming against your way of life or your lifestyle or things that want to change uh, the culture, perhaps, of your life, you might get concerned about that. You might fear that initially. And yet it says here that when he was afraid, he set himself to seek the Lord. And it kind of goes back, reminds me of the verse that we just read, that not to worry about anything, but to pray about everything. So what Jehoshaphat did when he heard this news was he began to seek the Lord. He was caught off balance. The fear gripped him for a moment. And sudden fear is real, and it can get us at any time. 
But Jehoshaphat did something when he was gripped with fear. He, be, he turned to God. He began to seek God. He began to pray. And he asked the nation of Israel to go into a fast with him as a way of acknowledging and recognizing that they were trusting God with their situation. It was kind of like, in fact, part of that prayer that Jehoshaphat prayed was that we see what's happening. We know what's coming. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And that sometimes is the best thing we can say. I don't know what to do. I don't have the answers, but my eyes are on God. I know that he knows what needs to happen. I know that he knows what I need to do and what needs to happen in our situation. And that God is able to do things that all the worrying in the world can't change. So it's kind of a long story, but they began to seek the Lord. They began to pray. They call for a fast. And in the process of doing this, the Lord tells them, I want you to send the singers out in front of the army. Now, folks, that is not a common uh, way of going to battle. I mean, the common way of going to battle is not send a group of singers out in front of the army and let the singers go. It's kind of like, you know, this is how you get a new worship team. You send the singers out in front of the army, right? They all get slaughtered first, and then you have the, the army, the battle. But he says, go ahead and send the singers out, and they start singing of God's goodness. And there's another point there, I think, that when we worry, when fear tries to grip us, we can begin to worship God. We don't need a Sunday morning setting like this to be able to worship God. We just begin to open our hearts, open our lives, begin to worship him, thank him for who he is. And that's what they did. They started reminding themselves in prayer of all that God had done for them and what God had promised them. That's why it's so good to know the word of God. It's so good to know the promises that Jesus gave us because we can begin to quote those things when we go through those moments of worry or fear or when stuff is coming against us. They began to seek the Lord. They send out the singers. The singers are singing of the goodness of God. They're worshiping. All of Israel is worshiping with them. And in the meantime, while this is happening, suddenly over on the enemy's camp on the other side of the mountain, down in the valley in the enemy's camp, a couple of people between these two armies, three armies, start, start battling with each other. They, they get into an argument. They start fighting. And the next thing you know, these three armies are all fighting among themselves. And these three armies of people, every one of them, are doing battle against each other. And eventually, they're all dead. Israel comes to the crest of a hill and comes down to the valley where the battle is supposed to be, where they're going to meet this huge army that's come out against them. And they look, and all they see are slain warriors laying everywhere. They're everywhere. The thing that Jehoshaphat worried about, the thing that he feared greatest... These armies coming against him and destroying his people and destroying his nation and carrying off everything they have and, and completely obliterating the nation of Israel. That fear, that worry that he had of them coming against him, he looked out and that worry was suddenly gone. It was no longer there. There was no fear of this army because they were all dead. And so the army of Israel, the people of Israel, go into the valley and where all of these people are lying. And it says that they began to carry away the spoils. They started taking all of the valuable things that this, these, these three armies had and started carrying them away. And it says it took them three whole days to carry away all the spoil, all of the, all of the, the treasures that these three armies had. And so this thing that came against Jehoshaphat that caused him initially to fear when he began to pray, when he called a fast, when he asked the people to begin to worship, in other words, when their focus was on God Almighty and what he could do, suddenly they go out to the battle and there is no battle to fight because the, less, the, the battle has already been won. And the lesson is that when Jehoshaphat feared, he prayed. He looked to God and he worshiped him. 
Think about this. Always let worry or fear be a motivator to prayer. Anytime you sense that little bit of worry, anytime you sense that little bit of fear, and statistically, we're told according to the polls that six out of 10 of us face that every day of our lives in one way or another. Let that be a motivator to go to God in prayer because God already knows that we worry about these things, that we fear these things, but God wants us to know that he is in charge. When we come to him and pray, and I say that you pray until the fear and the worry is gone. You pray until that situation is no longer a challenge. You know, back to our opening text um, I didn't read it all, you know. I just read part of this, this text. And so let's look at this in Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Check this out. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Thank him for all that he has done. When you feel that grip of worry, that grip of fear, don't just pray and ask God to take that away. But as it says here, begin to thank God for everything that he's done. Thank God for who he is, for what he's done for you, for what he's done for our world, for what he's done for our nation, for our cities, what he's done for our friends, our family. Begin to thank God for all of the great things that he has done. You know what I've learned is that a heart of gratitude can get our focus off of what we've been worrying about and onto the only one who can actually do something about what we're worrying about. Thanking God for all he's done focuses on his faithfulness, not on our worries. So that whole text is don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And then look at the next verse, verse 7. Then you will experience God's peace. God's peace is way different than worry and fear. When the emotion of worry or fear comes, when we pray, when we worship, when we lay this before God, and we pray and we thank him for all the things he's done, then suddenly we experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. The result of gratitude over prayer, the gratitude and prayer, excuse me, over worry is that we get peace. The value and the result of gratitude and prayer over worry is that we get peace. Our worry, our fear is replaced with peace. It says you will experience God's peace. It's kind of sad, I think, that we can read that so quickly. We can just read those words, then you will experience God's peace, and we just kind of keep moving. But if we stop and think about what that means, that is a complete 180 from where we've been when we're in fear and worry. And we turn, you know, when, you, when you're worrying about something, you're fearing something, there's no peace in that. There's turmoil, there's confusion, there's stirring of the soul, there's a breaking down of that sense of peace that God wants us to have. He says that, he says it's, we should believe that we're going to receive that peace as we pray, as we worship him. Let that sink down into our, our lives that we're going to experience his peace when we look to him. And again, the end result of prayer over worry is peace. But you know, prayer requires a certain faith, doesn't it? You gotta have a certain faith. And I've learned this about worry, or we could say fear, fear and faith. They're actually the same energy in different directions. If you think about fear or worry, fear or worry is the expectation of something bad in the future or something bad now. Faith 
is the expectation of something good in the future or something good now. It's really the same energy, but just in different directions. Faith and worry is that energy in a negative direction. Uh, fear and worry, excuse me, is that, that, that energy in a negative direction. And faith is that energy in a positive direction. Prayer gives us peace in every situation. Are you at peace when you're worrying? No, it's not there, is it? But prayer can get you there, and it should. The peace that you find in prayer, it says, will not only give you that peace for the moment, but it will also guard your hearts and minds. You know what I've learned is that I've tapped into more and more of God's peace. I worry and I fear less and less. When the, when the idea or a thought comes to me that I should worry about something, that I should fear something, I just immediately begin to thank God for his goodness. And it guards my heart. It guards my mind. It keeps me from getting sucked into that cycle of worry and fear, which can lead to despair. This idea of guarding your heart and mind, it means to protect, watch over, to deflect uh, anything that would come against our hearts and minds. So that peace can remain as a guard over the way we think and over the way we feel in our hearts, keeping the controlling emotions of worry and fear at bay. That's what the peace does. It keeps that away from us. So there's some other verses that show us some more ideas on how we can deal with worry and fear. Let's look at them kind of quickly, but let's go through them. First one is uh, Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9. And check out what God says to Joshua. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Why not? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Whatever situation you find yourself in, whatever is happening, God is with you. And if God is with you, what shouldn't you do? You shouldn't be afraid, shouldn't worry, because you know that God is with you in every situation. You know, we should all just say that. Just say it with me right now. Just say, God is with me. Say it one more time. Say, God is with me. That sounds pretty good. Say it like you really mean it with some real conviction. God is with me. There you go. God is with you in every situation. He never leaves you, never forsakes you. That's a promise from Jesus. He's with us in every situation. When worry and fear tries to pop up, we need to remind ourselves right away, God is with me in this situation. Look at Psalm 34, verses 4 and 5. It says, I prayed to the Lord, and he answered me and freed me from one-third of my fears. Is that what it says? No, it says that free, he freed me from half of my fears. Oh, all of my fears. So what does that word all mean? You know, you could do a study on that word all. You know what it means? All. Uh, nothing left out. He sets us free. He frees us from all of our fears. We should not live with any fear, any worry, any sense of foreboding that something bad could or is about to happen. I want you to notice a, a process here. First of all, the psalmist prayed. Then God answered. And then he was freed from his fear. What do you suppose the psalmist was praying about? I think he was praying about fear because he said, I prayed, God answered, my fear went away. So we should pray about these things. Look at Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4. But when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? Right? Why should I be afraid? The psalmist, even after writing Psalm 34, said, when I'm afraid. Just because we get victory over it once doesn't mean it's going to stay away, but that peace guards our hearts and our minds. Trusting God can be just as persistent on our part as worry and fear is in our emotions. Every time that worry and fear comes, we can come back to trusting God. 
You know, by the way, there's a difference between believing and trusting. Um, you can believe in something and not be trusting in it. Let me give you an example. I, I believe that uh, this stool right here is capable of holding me up. I believe that this, this stool, I really believe that that stool exists and that it's capable of supporting my weight. I believe that, totally believe that. But let me ask you a question. Am I actually trusting that chair right now? What do you think? How many think I'm trusting the chair? How many of you think I'm not trusting the chair? How many of you are not gonna raise your hand no matter what I ask you? So there's a few of you, but you did raise your hand, so I appreciate that. So what do I need to do if I wanna put, I believe in that chair, but what do I need to do if I really wanna trust that chair? I need to sit in it, that's right. Now I don't just believe in it, but I'm trusting in it. And when, I, when I'm trusting in it, now I'm not standing in my own power, I'm resting in the power of this chair. And that, that little analogy is just the difference between trusting God, I put my trust in you, trusting God and believing in him. I think a lot of believers still deal with worry and fear because we haven't really learned maybe to put our trust in God, to rest in him, to know that he's got everything under control. Check out Psalm 91. My wife and I quoted this, uh, this chapter of uh, the Psalms. I think, at least initially, almost every day during the pandemic. But look at this. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night or the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the diseases that stalk in darkness nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side and 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. I believe we can trust the word of God and quote the word. But he says here, do not be afraid, do not dread. He's giving us again, but a little bit of insight into this. God is with us in these situations. We don't need to fear these things. Look at Matthew chapter 6 with me. Just a few little smatterings of verses about not fearing. Look at Matthew 6, verse 25 to 27. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. Look at this. And aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Somebody answer that question. Are you more valuable to God than birds? Absolutely. And then look at this line. This, I think, is very interesting. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Absolutely not. But you know what they might do? They might drain our lives of some of the moments and some of the hours that we should be enjoying and celebrating life because we get caught up in the worries and the fears that are trying to hold us back and keep us from celebrating God's goodness. Worry won't add a moment to your life, but prayer, gratitude, praising God, trusting God just might. Just a couple more here. Psalm 94 verse 19 says this, when I worried about many things, I love this one, your assuring words soothe my soul. You know where we need to go? We go in prayer, right? We go into thanking God and praising him, worshiping him. But we can also look into his word because his word is full of encouragement in our times of fear and worry. Somebody said one time there's 365 verses in the Bible that tell us not to fear. That's one for every day of our lives. And according to you know, the, the polls, if 60% of us worry about something every day, then there's a not worry in the Bible for every day of our lives, and we should remember that. We should use that. We worry about many things, he says, whether as we're looking at that list, the, the future of our world or our nation or the finances or economy or health or family or whatever it is, but God's assuring words will soothe our soul. You know what? Worry kind of agitates our soul, kind of gets us worked up. 
But God's peace, God's presence, God's grace, as it says here, his words can bring a soothing to our soul. The verses that we've been looking at today and talking about can soothe a worried soul and give us hope and strength for today and for the future. Because of Jesus, worry is no longer the boss of me. It's a controlling emotion that no longer has control over my life. And the good news is we can learn to use God's word and his presence to conquer those moments of worry and fear. And by the way, never respond to something based on worry and fear because it will just take you to a worse place. God wants us to respond in faith and trust. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for the power and the grace of your presence and your grace in our lives. We're thankful today, God, that as we look to you, as we put our trust in you, as we rest in your goodness, that we find everything we need to live free from worry and fear, free from anger, free from guilt, free from the controlling emotions that want to keep us from being the people that you've called us to be. We thank you today, God, for your word that nourishes our soul, that soothes our soul, that gives us hope, that gives us grace, that gives us a sense of vision for our future that allows us to celebrate and enjoy who you are and what you're doing. Father, we thank you so much today that as we look into your word, our hearts are encouraged. We're strengthened by the hope that you give us. And Father, I pray over this congregation of people and those who may be watching online today, that if anyone here struggles with fear, if anyone here struggles with that daily worry, that we'd learn to put our trust in you, to rehearse all the wonderful and amazing things that you've done, and to let your peace guard our hearts and minds. I thank you. I speak peace over this body of people. I speak peace over every heart and mind. I, I speak, God, that even if something massive is looming before us, we look beyond that to the God who looms even bigger, and we put our faith, our trust in you. And God, I take authority over those things that may be trying to bring us down and cause us to lose hope and lose strength. And I thank you for the victory that we have in Jesus. Amen.